Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew, The Magicians episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today we are reviewing episode three, Divine Elimination. Written by Henry Alonso Myers, directed by John Scott. And that's a slight difference there because the first two episodes were directed by Chris Fisher. Now, am I correct in assuming that the title of this episode is named after Ember taking a poop <laughs> in the wellspring? Yes, and I actually made a joke about that before the episode started. We were trying to figure out what the title meant. And I said, because he referred to his gift that he gave to Alice a few episodes ago as his divine offering, I wondered if divine elimination could mean he was going to take a shit at some point. <laughs> I was really just kidding, and I couldn't believe it when it actually turned out to be true. It could also have a double meaning as a reference to Alice's dwindling power, because that's very important to the episode. Also, I was thinking that it meant in the beginning of the episode when we saw them fighting each other. It could also mean that as well, the divine elimination of the royals by right. eliminating each other. Right, the curse that was put on White Spire. Yeah. I said wellspring. That's what he pooped in, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> the magical font, as he called it. And now it's a, oh, well, spring. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Ember is certainly an interesting character. I don't know what to make of him. He's like all the gods that we always see depicted. I think writers have this issue, and I'm not a writer, so this is totally out of my ass, pun intended, that... They have these gods in a storyline, but they have to make them weak somehow because there wouldn't be a story if they truly are gods who have the ultimate power, who can do whatever they want, because then they can just put a kibosh on whatever storyline's going on. Yes, well, they wouldn't have to fight against anything if Ember could just come in and fix it. I think you're right, and also they have to portray somehow that they're different than humans. So they're doing a wonderful job with that, with the beast, he just has this air about him that he is above normal human matters. And Ember, to a certain extent, has that as well. I think for the Beast, I think this is funny, but it's a defense mechanism. You know when kids are like, oh, I'm too good for that. Mm -hmm. But it's actually they feel like maybe they're not good enough for it. So that's their defense mechanism on it. I think he had a horrible childhood and his life he was so weak and it was just not what he loved that he looks back at whatever regular humans do now and he scoffs at it like I'm too I'm above that now we talked about how he might feel some kind of understanding for Julia because they've both experienced something similar and that could account for why he's continuing to work with her he says it's because she's trapped him with this contract but clearly he doesn't really believe that there was something he was trying to gain out yeah. of their relationship as well. IMDb gave this episode an 8.8. .8. So they're down a little bit from last time. They gave episode 2 a 9.1. I have to agree with that. I'm not going to give my score yet, but I'm down a little bit too. 
I think I'm exactly the opposite. I was a little lower last episode than most people and just a little bit higher this episode. There were still things that I was bothered by, but I had mentioned I was waiting for the action to really culminate and this story that had been left on a cliffhanger from season one about fighting the beast and Julia and Reynard, I really wanted that to sort of wrap up. And they did that here. They gave us the action. We had the actual fight finally. Did we? I mean, a good part of it. That's Mm going to be a huge question that we talk about later on. Which characters actually died? What was the truth of what happened after this episode? And clearly that's left also unsure for now. I think we have three characters who died. Okay. We have Alice, who I'm assuming will be brought back to life by the white lady. Yes. Someone they'll encounter next episode. We have the Beast, who's dead. Right. All of his, I mean, it was pretty easily. I guess when you're pure magic, you can just kill anything, right? Seems like, yeah. And we have our homegirl Marina, who died, which was very disappointing. I hated that scene. We'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, we'll talk about her, and I was upset also, but glad that they gave her some time in this episode if it is the end of her. We only have one music note here, and it's a funny one, A Hunting We Will Go, which is with the Beast sings his own version of The Farmer in the Dell. I like that. When he started singing at first, I was like, oh no, are they going to you know, use this to death. But no, it was just the right amount, and it was funny enough. And his own lyrics, we'll catch a fox and put him in a box. (laughs) I loved it. It It's perfect. She's like, I don't think that's how it goes. I wish he wasn't a bad guy. I wish he was one of the good guys, and he was just, that was his character, funny and powerful. It would have been really interesting if there was at least a little bit of a turnaround. If Reynard wound up being enough of an enemy to all of them that the Beast actually had to sort of get on their side so that they could defeat him. I was waiting to see if that might happen a little bit or you might see some goodness come out of him, the humanity that was left of Martin Chatwin. However, they are following roughly the storyline of the book, so... (laughs) This is all wishful thinking a lot of times. I'm wondering, will it be different in the TV show? Can we change some of the bad things that we don't like? Let's give you an overall summary. So this episode, Quentin and the crew prepare to face the beast again. Julia conspires with him and their new ally to lure and trap Reynard, and the beast shows down with Alice as the group watches. What was interesting about this episode was we had many different types of stories, almost packed into one. You had the morbid humor around the cursed throne and the ascendants, what they would encounter. You called it almost like Greek tragedy. Yeah, it felt like that. You had the dangerous attempts to entrap Reynard and Martin, which had a bit of drama to it, and then the relationship stuff happening between Alice and Quentin and the sadness of seemingly losing her. Right off the bat, there was something that I really disliked. Mm. We had the previously on. Now, this is true of every show out there. People that are afraid of spoilers. Mr. Robot does it too. Yeah, they don't like to watch the previously on because it gives too much away. There's certain clues depending on what they choose to show you as to what's going to happen in this episode. But this was so blatant. I have never seen anything as bad as this. The way they piecemealed clips together and ones from season one that clearly haven't been relevant this whole time. So we're only seeing them to give you a glimpse of what's going to be important here. I'm talking mainly about the image of Charlie turning into a Niffin. Dead giveaway. I mean, why would we be seeing that again? 
Yeah, they need to start trusting in their viewers. And I don't mean just the magicians. I think all writers and directors need to start trusting in their viewers more and not feel like they have to give away the storyline just to catch you up. Yeah, if you missed that... it, you know, that's your fault. <laughs> Fuck. Or, or that you won't be smart enough to figure it out. Your viewers are very smart, and they are watching. They will put these pieces together. I, I think from now on, we're probably going to fast forward through the previously on so that we don't get those spoilers right before you're ready to watch the episode. And the other thing that was a little disappointing was the pacing felt off to me at times. And this could just be me, but we spent a lot of time on more light, silly moments like what was happening in the throne room and the fight to kill each other. And I liked that. It was enjoyable. But considering how many really critical themes they had to cover here, wrap up a lot of storylines and maybe even certain characters, I I wish they would have gotten more weight. I disagree with you. I wish they spent more time on that. Okay. I felt like this episode felt like a season finale. Yes. So much action. They tried to pack everything in. Why not slow it down? This was a great opportunity to have a whole episode about them trying to kill themselves. If it was written well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could have, obviously, that could suck too. But I think if they mixed that in with the beast fighting the fox, that would have been perfect because that would have been a serious moment. And then you had the kind of funny, but also serious, they're trying to kill each other yes. moment. I thought this curse was resolved way too quick. Okay. And there was so much more there that they could have dug up. I hear what you're saying, and yeah, that could have been really good if they had made it a bit funnier. It was supposed to be sort of a funny concept, like you said, even though it was serious, them going at each other. And it did have its moments, especially some of Margot's lines, but could have used maybe a little punch up on the one-liners if that's what they were after. Overall, though, I, I have been having this feeling like the beginning of season two was really just an extension of season one dragging out the things that felt incomplete. All right, let's kind of get to the conclusion again so we can start the adventure of season two. We're not even in the adventure of season two yet. And they commented on it, the creators, about they did sort of draw it out a bit because they felt Alice's story had more to tell and they wanted to be sure they gave it the time and the space to tell it properly. There were good characters like Marina, that they wanted to give some more screen time to. And I guess there was a bit of time management issues as she's a pretty famous actress and they knew her schedule was going to be tight and they wouldn't have her forever. So they wanted to give her important stories while they still had. Yeah, I agree with that. She, she was a great part and I wish she wasn't gone. Um, But I understand they felt like they probably wouldn't have her next season. Yeah. Or couldn't afford her. I just feel like if she helped fight the beast and, for God's sakes, Dean Fogg helped out. Oh, of course he's not going to help, Jason. (laughs) Why is it always up to these kids who manage to fuck everything up over and over and over again? Yeah. She's about to kill the beast. Wait a few seconds. Yeah, we're going to get there because I have some issues also. I do like, though, that they kept true to some of the storylines. I wasn't sure because we were so far into season two now how they were going to handle the Alice turning into a Niffin thing, if we were even going to get there, and they did. So I was pleased with that. Before we jump into our plot, we have new faces and places, just one, but a fun one. Benedict Pickwick, played by Harvey Julian, I think. He's the cartographer for Fillory, or the official map maker. 
Yeah, that he laid way for another great Elliot <laughs> episode or moment. Yeah. Yeah, I hope he continues and he's not just like a one-off character because I could see that back and forth being spectacular between him and Elliot. I do have to say the visuals were extraordinary in this episode. And I did really enjoy those. When she became a Niffin mm-hmm. and then the magic spell that she was creating, that was beautiful. I liked the shield charm that they eventually threw up, how they had that look with so all of quick, them though. working together. And that's something I've been thinking for a long time. Wouldn't it be smarter when it's a difficult task ahead of them to combine their magic? Wouldn't it make it more powerful? So that was nice to see. Also, the wards that Marina puts on her house. I like how that was depicted, almost like a web. Yeah, and the beast had to actually, like, it looked like he was solving math problems. Yes, an equation. I thought that too. Again, putting forth the whole, in this universe, magic is still kind of real. Like, it has a real feeling to it. Yes. Equations and methodologies of doing the magic. Yeah, even the Rhineman Ultra spell, right? It takes time to power up. They have a weakness there while they're trying to wait this is huge magic. It's not, it's not something they can easily accomplish. Let's back it up for a minute, though, and start with our plot. We open with the team back together in Fillory. It's time to finalize the plan to kill the beast. But first, Elliot has a surprise for everyone. He shows them the throne room. Except for Penny, of course, who doesn't hold a royal title and thinks there's better things they could be doing. I disagree. I really <laughs> feel like... If you look at his face when he's in the background and they're all discussing things like this and uh, Elliot's showing the stairs, the look on his face, yeah, it looks like a board, but no, I think he wants to be a part of it. No, he does. I'm taking from his actual words there where he tells the group, don't you think we have more important stuff to worry about than sitting our asses on thrones and having a toast to each other? I love that he is still the one trying to bring them back to reality. Let's focus. He's being a leader in a way. For sure. Definitely this episode. I did feel bad for him, though. It's another one of those moments where they're all just ready to celebrate how cool they are. They all get crowns and thrones. Oh, except for Penny. Yeah. No no mind even paid to the fact that that might hurt his feelings or anything. It's time for them to take their seats as kings and queens. Elliot begins a toast, but then something strange starts happening. He begins hallucinating and becomes paranoid, accusing everyone of being usurpers. (laughs) That had to be my favorite moment of the episode when he calls them usurpers. Yeah, that was great. (laughs) Not sure how to pronounce that. I will not go down easily, usurpers. Usurpers. (laughs) Whichever way you're supposed to pronounce it. While Margot goes to calm him, Quentin remembers Julia's warning of Martin's curse. As Alice, Quentin, and Penny ponder this, and Alice wonders if the goblet was poisoned, she takes a seat in her throne and becomes just as jumpy as Elliot, soon followed by Quentin. Q&A start rambling about their plot to kill Elliot and then each other, and that's when Penny figures out it's the thrones that are cursed. He runs off to find Margot, the only one who hasn't sat in a throne to figure out a plan. When Elliot sits down and then he sees his friends talking shit about him. You're such a stupid, stupid man. I'm going to kill you when you're sleeping. Oh, I see. Oh, oh. It's a great way to depict how he was starting to feel from this curse. Yeah. 
And it reminded me, you know, in school, when you're growing up and you have all these insecurities and you have all these qualities that you don't know about yourself and you sometimes feel like even your friends, when they're laughing together, they're talking about About you. you. Yeah. Yeah. And you remember how powerful that was on your emotions and how it could change the way you're feeling that day in an instant? Yeah, and combine that with the fact that Elliot must have been feeling very alone this whole time. His friends are all off back in Earth coming up with a plan. He thinks having a grand old time without him while he's stuck here shoveling shit, figuring out how to fertilize crops. He definitely feels left behind. And and that comes out right in one of his first statements that they haven't included him. Right, but it's not their fault. This show does have a lot to do with shit, though, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, they love that humor. Even as an adult, I sometimes feel that way, especially at work because I'm in an office environment. I sometimes think, like, were they just talking about me, you know? Yeah, it plays off your biggest fears, and there are times they do call back to a lot of other references. Here it made me think of Harry Potter. In one of the later movies, the Deathly Hallows ones, Harry finds the Horcrux in the lake and Ron comes and saves him in time before he's drowned. So Harry makes Ron kill the Horcrux because this is the one that's really been tormenting him worse than anyone else. But it puts up a fight. And while it's fighting, it's tricking him into seeing an alternate reality, one where Harry and Hermione are actually in love with each other. Everybody's constantly thinking he's not good enough His mother actually wanted Harry as a son. All these irrational, paranoid thoughts. And and it mirrored that for me. Oh, for sure. I also loved that when Penny goes out and figures out that Margot has been cursed as well, it's not even obvious. She's not acting all that different. She seems like herself still. Margot is a little prickly, definitely. (laughs) But I didn't know, did you? I thought for sure she was fine. Yeah, well, also because we never saw her sit down. So I wonder when she actually sat down. Unless that wasn't directly after. That was probably some time after. She made it seem like she had done it before anybody. Like she couldn't stop herself from just going in there and taking her seat. (laughs) I wonder. Well, Penny finds her in the woods, picking plants that seem to be an antidote, but not to the curse, to a poison she intends to give them. Turns out she did sit on her throne, and she is cursed too. Now all of the kings and queens of Fillory are looking to kill each other. We pause the action there while back on Earth, Marina warns Julia that Martin is bad news and will turn on them. She talks about how relying on her instincts has always put her in the right direction. She doesn't feel good about this. This is the part, of course, where he's singing a hunting we will go. (laughs) I thought this was a very bad omen for Julia, that everyone's been telling her No matter how much she thinks she has a plan, she's got this whole Martin thing figured out, she's not giving it enough credit for the danger that it poses to her. This isn't safe. It's somehow going to blow up in her face. And now even Marina, this crazy, powerful witch that I'm sure would be the last person Julia would think to advise caution, is also telling her, you got to get out. Yeah, for sure. Back in Fillory, Elliot tries to enlist the help of Benedict, the map maker, for a stiletto to kill the others. Surely, somebody has snuck in your office and dramatically stabbed a knife in a map to make a point, no? <laughs> that was one of the scenes we were definitely loving. It's Elliot. Elliot, Elliot, Elliot. I love Elliot. 
His character is hysterical, but more than that, is it Hale Appleman who plays him? He's a brilliant actor. He just does such a great job of bringing that drama and humor and yet depth to the character. There's more to Elliot than meets the eye. There, there's a constant sort of quiet pessimism and desperation yeah. underneath the surface, but it, it comes out in a funny way. I don't know. He's, he's doing a wonderful job of that. Oh, you know what? Now we know for sure what happened to those two bodies that Elliot found last episode. They killed each other. Yes. And even the one who won ended up killing himself. So. And Fen actually points that out, that they had no idea. She didn't know, the, the people of the castle didn't know. They just figured it was infighting. Yeah. That the rulers all broke down eventually and, and wound up legitimately killing each other. Let's talk about one other Elliot quote. Dean Fogg gave you all matching tramp stamps. It's just, I want Elliot to be part of our crew. And then later, Alice, in her typical, sort of naively ignorant way, says, wait, isn't a tramp stamp supposed to be on the bottom of your back? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> One other complaint. Mm. What the hell is Margo wearing? You know, I didn't even notice. It's like a 80s or 90s jacket with shoulder pads. And it looks like blue pants and top. Like, it looks like a onesie. Oh. But it might not even be. It might just be That's the same so Margo, color. That's so Margot, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just taking me out of the story. I was She's like, She's got her own style oh. going on. I was kind of wondering when they're going to transition into Florian raiment. You know, they've taken their seats as rulers. They have the crowns. There's, there must be attire. I mean, it looks like Elliot's wearing mm-hmm. it. Of course, he would wear it. <laughs> well, I guess they don't have time yet. They well, haven't had time to hang out. That, and they knew they were going back to Earth, which suppose would have looked a little silly. Absolutely. (laughs) Penny turns to Fen for help with the curse. She says curses in Fillory are hard to break and usually must run their course. This news gives Penny an idea and he goes off in search of supplies, charging Fen to keep them safe. Now, thank God for Penny. I think they would have all just ended up killing themselves if it wasn't for Penny. He he is to the rescue this time. Yet again. And it's good to finally have him part of the crew again. And we know why, because he was dealing with his hands, which again, this episode leaves him like that again. It's sad. His his tale is very sad. Yeah, and when is the group going to express their gratitude for all of this? I'm waiting for somebody to turn around and say, hey, you know, Penny, you've saved our ass multiple times now. Mm -hmm. Between getting us out of our heads with all our stupid relationship stuff to bring us to Fillory and actually fight the fight that needed to happen. His traveling skills have saved them quite a few times. Now he stopped them all from killing each other. He's eventually the one who goes to bring the beast back to Fillory so they can fight him. Nobody seems thankful. They never make a mention of it. Even in episode one of season one, Quentin and Alice would not have been able to do that spell without him. And he's the one that showed up. Yeah. Later, learning the battle magic. I mean, we've expressed that a bunch of times, what a valuable character he is. He's always shunted to the side, and now the whole group knows he's having this problem with his hands, and they keep ignoring it. Nobody's even trying to help him figure out what do we do about that. Mm. I feel bad for him. Meanwhile, Julia, Marina, and the Beast are trying to catch and kill Reynard. Since he seems to be going after people, attempting to invoke Our Lady Underground... Julia gets Marina to cast the spell in earnest. She's 
doing it at first, Marina. She's going through the steps, but Julia can tell she's not into it, and it's not going to happen because it's not genuine. Oh, it's really not genuine. We can all tell. But after a little bit of sniping and protesting, Marina does start to do it for real, and it made me wonder, is there some part of her that does want to believe in that? I think so. Even Reynard the Fox brings that up to her. Mm -hmm. So perhaps. She's a lost toy out there in the world who had uh, presumably everything she wanted. It was taken away. She fought and fought and fought and finally got her memories back. And she's still not happy. Things still aren't what she wanted them to be. Yeah, and I believe she is this way because she had to be tough and mean to work her way to the top and be the head hedge witch. She had to make people respect her Mm -hmm. and also fear her, what her magic could do. But I imagine that she was also probably lonely. That's not really what she wanted. And I think that from day one, she actually really liked Julia. And it became almost a weakness for her. She's doing it now to help Julia, not just to protect herself. But anyhow, before she can finish, the beast whisks Julia away. He takes her several blocks from the house, explaining that Reynard would have never come if he scented Julia in the room, and they will have to risk losing their bait. Okay, I understand this as soon as he says it, but it could have been done so much more elegantly. Tell Morena we're going to have to bounce real quick, but we'll be right back so that you don't lose her mm-hmm. and you're not stuck outside her house while this is all happening. Yeah. It just could have been played out so much more smoothly. And I know the Beast doesn't give two shits about right. her, and that's apparent, but they just put it, so much time was wasted. First of all, yes. they would have gotten it done before Penny grabbed them if they did it this way. And just had a sign or something where once the fox is there, Marina can do something. They know he's there Alert and they can them. come back. Yeah. I think the Beast didn't care enough. And I think uh, Julia's part. Even if she would have known, she probably would have been afraid to tell Marina because Marina doesn't really want to participate in any of this to begin with. If you start telling her, hey, we're going to peace out for a while right in the middle of the toughest part of this, she might not have ever agreed. Yeah, Julia, she's not happy about this. She storms off and starts walking back on her own to find Marina. They do a cut to here of Marina trying to do the spell. She thinks the summons isn't working, and when she realizes the others have left, she leaves too. Fuck this noise. She leaves in haste. <laughs> and I don't know if you noticed, she leaves and it's daytime. And then when they get back to her house, it's nighttime. Hmm. Strange. I didn't see that. Well, the, she opens the door and it's super bright outside. Okay. So I'm assuming it's daytime, yeah. During the scene, I was like, well, Chris, you got your wish. The fight with the fox will happen. Yeah. And of I've, course I was wrong. I've been waiting for that for so long. Back in Fillory, the team is still trying to kill each other. Quentin comes up on Margot with a crossbow, so she releases her caco demon. Luckily, Penny returns and has to release his demon to stop it. So this is strike number two oh. for me, Chris. I'm like, another dumb judgment. The Beast just made a dub- dumb judgment. And now these guys are just like, our only weapon, release, release. Yeah, well, I mean... Certainly, Margot couldn't help it because she's under the influence of the curse. She doesn't know what she's doing. It really sucks for Penny, but I guess between arriving late and not still fully having control of his magic, what else was he going to do? He had to keep them alive. 
but it does suck. This is their best weapon. It's a one-shot deal, and now you have two of them already within a five-minute time span that have lost theirs. Yeah. Margo's such a dumb bitch. By the the way, I know we're going to have people write in to tell us because on the TV show they're pronouncing it Keiko Demon. Okay. I can't get it out of my head. I listened to the audiobook, all three of them, and they pronounce it Kako Demon. So it's there. Sorry. (laughs) It is what it is. Now, I do have to say, I wrote in my notes, Penny is back, meaning the Penny we know and love is back. Yes. Which was great. Visually, those demons were amazing. Yeah, I was so anxious to see how they would portray that, coming out of the back, coming into being, manifesting. Yeah. Yeah, that was exciting. This is the moment where I realized how perfect the beast's spell was. Because he never had to worry about himself. No matter how strong these human magicians are, mm-hmm. as soon as they sit down on the crown, they'll take care of themselves. It's genius. He is a clever man. You have to give him that much. Not clever enough, apparently. Speaking of, Martin and Julia return and find that Marina has left. Julia is worried, but Martin thinks the spell actually worked, and Reynard is following her home. As you said, this was part of his plan. We see Marina get home and cast a protection spell on her house, but too late, Reynard is already inside. And then they go over to, of course, Julia and Martin arriving to find the protection and not immediately being able to get into the house, he has to break into that. Again, it's one of those great things I love about this universe is even the powerful beast. And he's having difficulty. It'll take him a while to get through the hedge witch's spell. Yeah, her it's, again, it's the reality of what magic would be. He comments on that later. You got some pretty intense wards going on <laughs> on your house. We know that she is powerful. Uh, this is... Something I really like about the TV show, but also a criticism of it. I love that they're doing a wonderful job of portraying strong female characters. Mm-hmm. Right, Our most powerful magician so far, Alice, seems to have more power than anybody. And I'm not just talking about her god power. We know the latent ability that's underneath all of that. Julia is one of the strongest witches on the show, and Marina is very powerful as well. What I don't like, though, is that makes our other characters at times seem like they are useless. Mm. I mean, we hardly ever see Quentin casting magic. It it doesn't feel like he can do much of anything. And I'm dying to just see Quentin step up and take a little bit more of a role at some point. It, It feels frustrating that he's always put down so easily. I agree. So we find out, one, that Reynard the Fox isn't going around because he needs a new body. We mm-hmm. were wondering that. He has the same body of her friend. And there's one thing I don't want our listeners or you to forget, is there's got to be a reason why Reynard did what he did to Julia mm-hmm. and let her live. Because he's not doing that with anyone else. He's killing them all. Yeah, and he didn't just do it to torture her. He knew it was going to make her stronger. Mm -hmm. Why would you intentionally want to make your enemy stronger? Exactly. So we have yet to find out. Hopefully that's a great storyline. I hope that comes to fruition this season. I'm wondering if the show is doing something very different with that than a book. Because they made an innuendo in that episode where she was raped. And I, I don't want to go off on a tangent or talk too much about it in case that happens, but I, I think I have an idea 
of why he wants to keep her alive. Hmm. I feel like, yeah, you got to keep that to yourself. Yeah. Okay. So, but how are you going to know later (laughs) if I was right? I'm going to have to write it down somewhere. You're always right. (laughs) No. (laughs) Also seeing how powerful he is. I, I was wondering to myself, and we can talk about it more when we get to that scene, but when Penny travels the beast to Fillory so they can take care of him, Julia is very frustrated. Mm -hmm. She's telling them, we had a plan. We were going to take care of all of this. We were right at the point where we could have defeated Reynard, defeated the beast. I agree with that. Yeah. Do you? What do you think would have happened if they hadn't come in? Do you think she would have been able to do that? For sure. Reynard was frozen, and they were just standing there, it seems like. And it's probably just the way they edited it. And uh, when she finally does pull out the knife, I think with Reynard frozen, she would have been able to do it for sure. Yeah, that was interesting, too, that, like you said, the Beast has his weaknesses. He's holding Reynard, but only for a very brief period of time. He says he's breaking through it. He's going to come out soon. You've got to get him now. And I hadn't realized that Reynard was such a powerful god. But, yeah, it seemed like he had him long enough that she could have taken care of him. Now, I don't know what would have happened with the Beast after that. I doubt Julia would have been able to dispose of him as well. It's interesting to think about. Also, do you have any thoughts on, as you said, it doesn't seem like Reynard needs bodies to exist. He's not coming to these people that are doing the rituals in order to get another vessel. Yet he's only coming to people that summon Our Lady Underground. Right. Do you have a reason for why he targets these people? I don't. I have no idea. Hmm. Maybe that's how he gets the power, but then I'm just really just guessing. I wonder. Hmm. Maybe that's a question for the Clatchers. Because he could go after any any magician, any yeah. person he wanted if he's that strong. True. And again, this is where communication would have been perfect. <laughs> if Julia was in communicado with the crew, they would have known to wait or even helped because they're still helping. Yeah. And then once... Reynard was killed, they all grabbed the beast, and then it's in a <laughs> Julia, more controlled fashion. Is it frustrating me yet again to no end in this episode, and I'll talk about her more later, but she just she has no concept that she might need help with this. She maybe can't take care of everything on her own, and she's putting everyone else in danger by trying to do so. Including Marina. Back at the crew, dealing with their... <laughs> Murderous rampage. <laughs> yes. Penny has a plan to deal with things, to kill them all with potassium chloride, which will stop their hearts. So technically they are dead and the curse will break and then use adrenaline to get them going again. Before he can follow through, his enchanted hands stop working. All hell breaks loose and the group starts stabbing each other. <laughs> now, last episode I said, I don't think his hands are permanently fixed. Yeah. And I, and I was right. It's, it was too easy and I think... The writers would have been like, no, this is, this is a, a tribulation that we need to keep going. This confused me a bit, though. Later, it makes sense when he no longer has the chains that seem to keep the magical spell in place. But here, he still has them. So why all of a sudden are they not working correctly? He said they were going numb. So mm. they weren't working against him. They were just kind not of... Not working at all. Yeah. And I don't mm. know what that is. And I didn't realize those... 
bracelets on his hand? Why are they so loose where they can fall off easily? I don't know. I thought it as soon as she put them on. It's like necklaces on his yeah. wrists. And where is she? Can't she be checking in with him on... Apparently grown-ups do not help. This spell that's so important to him. I don't know. And back on Earth, because of the powerful wards on Marina's house, it's taking Martin a while to break in, which gives Reynard time to torture Marina. She tries to be strong and mouths off to him, calling him a second-rate god. I'm impressed. You have talent. I bet you say that to all the girls right before you rape them, kill them, and eat their hearts. <laughs> you wear that cynicism so stylishly. It's too bad I know it's a lie. Is it? Well, no true cynic would call to the goddess. It must hurt to know she wasn't listening. On the plus side, I was. Listen, I love the foreplay. It's hot, it really is. But just get it over with and kill me. All in good time. You know, it doesn't take Freud to see that a god who likes to prey on chicks is compensating for a lack of something. What even are you? God of goat herding? Grapes? Oh, wait, is it manure? I bet you love coming here and f***ing with mortals, because back home in Godland, you barely rank. I really loved this scene. I love that they finally gave us a little more of a look at Marina and her character. Oh, for sure. And she is such a badass. I, I This god who would scare the shit out of anybody, she... Shirley is afraid, but knows that it's not going to help her to show it. She has to be tough and kill some time until something can happen, hopefully, to help her. Yeah, I actually wrote in my notes, I'm really starting to like her. Mm-hmm. We hated her last season, and for good reason, but she's the only one outside of the crew actually helping them, mm-hmm. I feel. Well, I mean, there's Dean Fogg helped, I guess. No, but she is and putting herself helped. in mortal peril yeah. right now. Yeah. And I liked the way she spoke to the beast. She was right. Like, you know, uh, you're showing off here, but I'm sure when you go back to your land of gods, you're, you're the nobody. Yeah. That's perfect. And it seemed like she might have even been getting to him. Oh, I think so. And that's why he decided to kill her slowly. And this was horrible. Realizing the only thing she loves is her cat, he kills and disembowels it in front of her. Gruesome. This is two minutes of the darkest scene we have had in The Magicians. Mm -hmm. Kills the cat, bites her finger off, and eats it. How about the fact that the cat is still alive? So dark. boy. Creepy. I think it would have been worse. Don't kill me, people. (laughs) But I think we would have had a lot of watchers up in arms on the internet if it was a dog. For some reason, we have a better time dealing with a cat getting hurt yeah. than a dog, right? Yes. <laughs> it's man's best friend. But it did. It was it, it was gross. It sucked. It, it they was, had the fucking cat whining. I was whining. glad they didn't show it more because I didn't want to yeah. see it in any more detail than that. But I was also glad they had this scene because they really showed you what the stakes are to this Reynard guy. I mean, not that we didn't already know based on what he did to Julia, but he is truly terrifying. And it's in that moment that Marina realizes it as well. She tries to do magic behind her back. That's the part where he bites off her finger. And he's threatening to eat her alive to taste her fear. And before he can do so, Martin and Julia finally break in. 
And back with the crew, Margot is the last one standing and then stabs herself. <laughs> I would have guessed that Margot would be the survivor of yeah, this Yeah, yeah. Penny enlists Fen to help revive them. At least the curse is broken. But time is running out. Alice's bracelet starts burning through her wrist. Yeah, I liked this because the characters themselves take the opportunity to poke fun at the name <laughs> of the Rhineman Ultra spell. And we had brought that up last episode or the one yeah. before. It's a lame name. It's very cool looking, but the name is so silly. <laughs> and I really enjoy the opportunities that the show takes to be meta and to tell its viewers we're not taking ourselves too seriously. Even though this is incredibly serious subject matter we're dealing with, we're going to bring humor to it. Yeah. Alice admits they are down to one cacodemon, as she released hers right away because she didn't like the way it felt in there. Oh, boy. Oh, that's selfish, huh? Oh, I know. This is uncomfortable. I feel bad for it. I'm going to release it. I was... Alice... Ooh, there are moments. There's moments I love her. And yeah. then there's moments she really gets under my skin. And I think that's probably clever writing and oh, how we're sure. supposed to feel about her. But I just couldn't believe their best weapon. We know two of them have lost it already. And now we find out she doesn't have hers anymore because she just said it go. It's again, I'm like sitting there mad at all of them. I'm like, <laughs> you guys are just fucking everything up. Everyone like teenagers is. Teenagers at times, you know? Yeah. But she has an idea. They can use a simple but powerful first-year spell, the Sumerian Shield Charm, which could work if all three cast at once and distract long enough for Alice to power up. Mm. It was a good thought. Yeah, it was. It was a good plan, and it was weirdly brought up by Quentin. Like, if it you have one penis... so bizarre. <laughs> and then you're just playing with yourself. It was just so weird. <laughs> I don't understand what that meant. But he did prove his point. It's not about the metaphor I'm making here, guys. I'm showing you that all you need is a couple moments distraction to buy you time. And it seemed like that would have worked if it went according to plan. But here again is where they are more like teenagers. We keep saying it an adult that's going into this fight that they've been preparing for for a long time now. This thing with the beast has been going on for quite some time. Yes. They always only have one idea. And the one idea has so many holes in it. They never have a backup. Like you said last time when they were teaching Alice the Rhineman Ultra spell, couldn't they have been teaching the other students another spell? A freeze spell something. And here, okay, what if the Sumerian shield charm doesn't do it? What's our backup? Yeah. <laughs> There's just only ever plan A, I guess. So we saw how the beast froze the fox. If they all learned that, yeah. I'm sure they were all powerful enough to all at once freeze him. Yep. And that would give them ample time. Kind of hold them down, yeah. yeah. Now, they, now that they've come up with this idea of working together to intensify the spells, you would think that opens up a new world of possibilities for how to fight captain planet style they go over to earth just for a moment to show us martin holding reynard in the magical net and julia about to stab him until penny arrives grabs them and transports them all back to fillery okay this was another part of the show where i was getting just more and more peeved and i already complained about it but <laughs> i feel like i'm complaining a lot this episode and i apologize it, but well yeah there were I things more from them. Mm -hmm. Not not like I expected more from the show. I still enjoyed it, but I expected more from our characters. Yeah. But they kind of told us this was going to happen when Q talked to Julia outside 
And he was like, well, just stay out of my way. He knew it was going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah, and they're writing that drama in there purposefully, and that's why I still did really enjoy it. Yeah, there are parts where, like here, Julia was just frustrating the hell out of me. (laughs) Now, before we go on to this next part, do we have to assume that Reynard just got away? Of course. Once Penny traveled the beast back. Yeah, where does he go? Like, is he walking the streets, hanging out, or does he disappear back to God world or something? Yeah, I'm not sure. In Fillory, the crew has set their plan in motion. They're powering up so when Penny arrives, they can hold Martin in the shield ring, ready for Alice to cast. And it's working, but Quentin realizes at the last minute that Julia is inside of it. He interrupts the shield to grab her and get her out of the way just as Alice throws the spell at the beast. So haphazard what's Mm -hmm. going on. Somebody even made a comment, I think, leave her. Let, let her die. We have to run this. We have to kill him. It's her own fault. I think it was Penny. It just said, blow her up. Really? I, I don't remember that. Yeah, I think he made a comment. No, I think he made a comment about, um, about her being in the way because he knew that Quentin was going to break it yeah. in order to stop her. But he did. He broke his part of it. He grabbed her. He managed to save her, but because he weakened the charm, Mm -hmm. the shield was no longer intact. And it seems, I could be wrong, but it seems like what they were doing was also kind of holding a net. Because we know that if she were to cast this spell, it has a 20-foot blast radius. Right. And this would contain it inside of there so that A, they wouldn't be hurt by it, and B, it would increase the effect that it had on the beast, and that's why it would have killed him. Immediately? Yeah, that makes sense. But that means that her spell would have to go through the shield. Could it do that? Or would it just hit the shield? And well, it looks like this spell could do a lot. Yeah. It's pretty intense. Now, we know that Julia wasn't supposed to go with Penny, but she grabbed him last minute. Mm-hmm. So, again, if they were incommunicado, this wouldn't have happened. She wouldn't have done that. She wouldn't have agreed to it, though. Julia. No, I guess not. Well, she would have agreed to it if it was after the fox was killed. Five more seconds, the fox would have been killed. Right. And I know they were under a time crunch because Alice was losing her god powers. Quickly. They wasted a little too much time on other things, knowing that she was so limited. You know what I mean? I I don't know what else they could have done because they did need a plan. Yeah. But there was that clock ticking on that. So we see that because of the interruption, the spell hurts the beast, but not enough. It chars his whole arm down to his hand. And Alice tries to power up again, but he sees it coming and vanishes before she can do it. Another part where they all just stood there and watched. Yeah. So after their planned group work together, didn't work, then they all like, I know they were stunned, but something, you got to. This is battle, people. You gotta. Yeah, be the second time she was powering up the spell, it was taking time, mm-hmm. and clearly the beast wasn't just gonna stand there and wait to be hit again. And the the rest of the group just sitting there, uh, dumbfounded. Well, Penny couldn't do anything because his hands were all. Yeah, numb. Penny, it's understandable, but he had three other magicians that could have done something. Who do know battle magic? And couldn't Elliot have had his people helping out too? I mean, he is the king. Help us fight the demon that's been tearing Fillory apart for so many years. I never thought about that. 
It's a good point. Because we know there's magic there, and a lot of them have magic. Mm-hmm. You know? They said at one point, most of the people there don't use magic because they don't need to, because the world is magical. So I am not clear on their knowledge okay. of how to use magic. They must know on some level how to use it, but that we haven't seen that yet in universe. At this point, Alice yells that Julia ruined it. And Julia counters that she had Reynard and the Beast before they came, so they ruined it. And Penny grabs Julia and travels her back to Earth. In the tussle, he loses one of his chains and his hand starts going crazy. When Julia sees that, she rips off the other chain and leaves him with his problem. So rude. Very temper tantrumish, for sure. Vengeful. Yeah. She was pissed that they ruined her plan and she lashed out and... That's what I meant last time. She's so focused on her own personal revenge. She is not taking into account all these other things. I mean, there was no reason to do that to Penny. No, none whatsoever. And where is she going now? Who the hell knows? Oh, well, we know. She goes back to the house. She's probably not going to stop trying to get Reynard. No, she's probably going to get her killed. I'm curious, how did they bring her back into the fold now? I mean, she is one of the more powerful ones. Mm-hmm. And they're going to need her eventually. So I wonder how this all gets smoothed out. I'm sure Quentin will be the smoothing one. He didn't even seem too upset. He, he saw Penny is. take him and he didn't say anything. Uh, take her, I'm sorry. So now we have Penny. He's trying to, I'm assuming he's trying to warp back to Fillory. And he can't. He starts like warping yeah, everywhere. His and magic gets messed bench. up. Yeah, and again, he's so forced he to be away from now? the crew. I didn't think about that if he can't get back there. Yeah, I wonder. He's going to have to go back and see Pearl, the professor, who oh. helped him the first time. Maybe that's how we get her back in the story. Maybe. You might be right. Or and, maybe and um, Dean Fogg. Yeah, maybe Penny says, hey, Dean, you want to help us out maybe a little bit? <laughs> want to do something? We'll go to Fillory. You take a dip in the water. Uh. Heal your eyes. Maybe beat the shit out of the guy that fucked up my hands. I don't, and let's, I don't think... Uh, I don't think Dean Fogg has that much power, as we're realizing. But, yeah, I'm thinking that's what he's probably going to have to do. Real quick, I want to give a huge, huge, huge shout-out to our new Patreon clatcher, Alan. Thank you so much for joining the crew. Yes. On the movie level, correct? Yep, on the movie level. So there's two movies already there for you to listen to and two bonus episodes. And you got two more of those coming this month. Yeah, this month, and we got um, our eyes on a really good one for this month, so it's a good time to be a Patreon member. Speaking of which, if you are interested, you can always check that out. If you go to our website, coffeeclatchcrew.com, we have all the information about what we're doing with the podcast. There is a link there to go to the Patreon site. We have different levels where we're constantly doing fun stuff. The bonus content level, we do an extra podcast each month. And the level up from that, we do a movie review podcast each month. I think it would be worth your while. you really dig it. We have outtakes. We talk about personal things. We talk about everything going on in the world except politics. <laughs> yes. And we have so much fun. So join the party. At Fillory, the crew realizes the beast is injured, so he must be headed to the wellspring to heal himself. Q&A are going to look for him while Margot and Elliot go to Ember's temple to try to get more god power as a backup, just in case. Another great scene <laughs> with Margot saying, uh, they get, if these horses get you there on time, 
I'll sleep with them or something yeah. like that. And he's like, shh, these might be the talking horses. And she's like, mm, I'll still do it. The offer stands. Yeah. And then they look back, the horses. Yeah. That was great. It's just a reminder to us as well that, hey, there's still magic here. I want to see place. some more talking animals. Me too. As a little side note too, we're going to see in the next scene, Alice and Quentin in the carriage on their way there. And Alice no longer has her glasses. Yes, so sexy. I didn't notice when she lost them, but I'm pretty sure this is the first shot of her not wearing them. I believe she's wearing them later on, though. No, she wasn't. That's right. No, this was it. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. Doesn't she need them? Where did they go? I don't know, but I like it. Flew off in the fight, maybe? In a fit of joy. (laughs) On the way, Quentin tries to distract her with a thought exercise of what she would do if they defeat the beast. And he can't stop himself from also telling her he's going to try to win her back. At first, she's angry with this, accusing him of unfairly trapping her. But he explains that his impending death has given him clarity, and he knows he wants to be the person that deserves her. Yeah, they needed to get these two back together before she dies. Mm. They needed to cement that relationship to make it that much more heavy. When she does pass. Yeah, and the fact the that he had to kill her. Loss. He had to kill her. He did. Yeah. It was awkward the way it always is between Alice and Quentin, but that's endearing because this is how their relationship is. Yeah. They both obviously care about each other very much. And I love Quentin having his moment, his minor moment of heroism where he's going to be the man <laughs> that deserves Alice. Yeah. You know? We get a brief shot of Elliot and Margot arriving at Ember's temple, but there's no sign of him there. Well, they don't go to the temple. They go to the spot where you can get summoned into the temple, right? Because they have to put their hand on the stone. I thought that was right outside of where he lives, no? I thought so too, but this was a different location, different spot. They were under a bridge or something. Oh, I thought it was the same spot. Maybe it was the other side of the temple or something. Yeah, it could be. It's not working, though, and we find out why in a moment, because the beast gets to the wellspring to find that Ember is there. (laughs) He's been conducting his divine elimination, taking a shit into the font of all magic. Mm. Mm. Ah! Greetings, oh powerful and glorious Martin Chatwin. My goodness. Only half the man I remember. You know what happens if you stay in Fillory. I know, I know. I'm leaving. I'm going. I just had one or two things to do. Mainly number two. I have befouled the wellspring. Pardon me? I have left my divine elimination in the font of all magic. And it's a stinker. I really hope you weren't planning to drink from it. It's hardly potable. You... you... what? Left my... Leavings, a godly floater, <laughs> behind, in the wellspring. I pooped in it. Um, am I not making this very clear? He antagonizes the beast and then leaves. I love his character. <laughs> it's so cool. He was funny. He was kind of, uh, you could see he had disdain for the beast, but also he knew he couldn't do much. 
So this is one of the things. This is he can his do. way of getting back, and, and he then disappear. Couldn't help himself with the poop jokes. I mean, yeah. they went on and on. Yeah, that's great. He even said, "I can't help myself." What happens? The beast says, "You know what happens if you're in Fillory? What What does happen?" I don't know, but that seems like whatever Martin's going to do to him. Okay. Because Ember used to be here. There's no actual reason why he shouldn't be, except that he's not having any of it, and it it works. I think that Ember is one of the few things that still does really trouble Martin because he doesn't have complete control over him. And this is where he starts freaking out. He's yelling and cursing him. And in his rage, he realizes that Q and A have snuck up on him. And they're there watching him from the bushes. So he attacks. He's about to slice Alice, but Quentin throws himself in the way and it hits his shoulder instead. Cuts him pretty badly. You cut me deep. Alice fights back and casts at him. She's much stronger than he expected her to be. Love hurts. <laughs> um, they cut over to Elliot and Margot, who are still at the cave when Ember returns, but before they can petition him for more power, he transports them to the fight. Why did he do that? He knew he was what they excited, were asking for. You think he knew what they were asking for? Yeah, because he said something about it when they first got there. You're here to... to. Um... Well, he says, oh, royals. Yes, first he notices that. And then he says, you're here to, I don't know, in a, in a fancy way to petition for my help. Right. For yeah. more of my seed or however you want to say it. But he says, no, you're missing everything, though. Yeah. And then he just sends them off. Now, he knows this fight's going to be incredibly hard. That's why he helped by giving it to Alice in the first place. It's running out. He himself had to go over there and try to, in any way he could, stop Martin from draining the well. So why wouldn't he just help them? I don't know. I really don't. I wonder if he, as a god, if he peed into the wellspring... With that, because it it's magical it? pee, right? So, <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking when they were saying he befouled the wellspring. It seems like anything that comes out of him is magical. So, you wouldn't think it would befoul it. You would think it would replenish it or something. Yeah. <laughs> I got the magic shit. <laughs> so now the two of them watch as Martin and Alice fight. I was loving this. Alice was kicking some ass. She's seriously gaining on him. To the point that Elliot turns and says, Alice is going full Harry Potter part seven slash eight over there. Oh, God, I hope we're winning. Yeah, we love that part. And Margot says, sure. God, I hope we're winning. Yeah, and our Patreon listeners know how much we love Harry Potter. It was a perfect reference. But all too soon, the bracelet burns out, signaling the end of her God power. Alice throws it away, but continues casting. They all know what this will mean. And Q warns her to stop, but she doesn't. Her hands start to turn blue, and then this, of course, engulfs her entire body as she becomes a Niffin. At what point did you see that coming? To be honest with you, I didn't see it coming until, like, moments before. Mm. Really. When they, when they started saying, no, Alice, her. no. Yeah. yeah. But I should have seen that coming. Well, they were alluding to it, but in a very clever way all season so far. They were showing her finally tapping into the full strength of her magic, which when her and Quentin went to the side and she wound up growing a tree, she was explaining to him she never tried to harness it because she was afraid. 
mm-hmm. of how much was in there and what could happen. She always had to sort of keep a lid on it. But they did a good job of throwing you off the scent. The one time she uses it, it is on this harmless tree. It's just a beautiful thing that grows. It's not some scary, ungainly magic right. that she can't control. I love how she just says to him, you're just a scared little boy. Like she's just, she's got balls, man. Yeah. The way she did the spell, mm-hmm. it was very, it was like a dance. Yeah. And it was beautiful. And you can see how the origin of that, the writers and directors took that from dance. So it was perfect. Yeah. She also, once she turns, says she did this on purpose. Yeah. That she knew casting the spell was going to cause her to transform and she did it anyway because she had figured out that having the Niffin was the only way to defeat the beast. How did she know she would have control as the Niffin to still want to defeat the beast? I don't think she did. The fact is that Niffin seemed to just want to hurt everybody. Yeah. Which is weird. Mm-hmm. It was a concept that always bothered me reading the books. A Niffin is a being of pure magic. You would think that would come with... Good and bad, just a desire to do anything magical, whatever that might be. But they portray them as something evil. They almost have this murderous bloodlust. Every Niffin wants to kill everyone. I mean, Charlie tried to kill Alice. So I never never really got that. Is it because she turned Niffin trying to kill? That would make sense. But as far as we know, when Charlie died, he was trying to help that other girl while casting a spell. Yeah. But you can see that they have no concept of people meaning anything to them anymore, no personal connections. She does go over and kill the beast. She rips him open, which is an amazing visual moment, all of the moths coming fluttering out inside of him. Like, that's all he was composed of anymore. Yeah, and I love when he finally falls. One more moth comes out of his mouth. Mm, it's beautifully, yeah. beautifully done. But she says, disappointing. It doesn't give her any pleasure, any anything. And then she turns on Quentin and the others with her bloodlust. And as you said, Quentin is forced to release his caco demon on her in his desperation. <sighs> and he has to kill her. So no more caco demons. Do you think the beast is really dead? Or that's the last of him? I, I guess think, I can't ask you that. I think the beast is really dead because so far as we've seen, Niffins are incredibly powerful. I mean, what could be stronger than pure magic yeah. and they've been warning us since the opening of this season of this series of the dangers of doing magic that gets out of your control for this very reason it's like being a niffin is the scariest thing that could happen to a magician which led me to the point how could a caco demon defeat a niffin it didn't seem like a caco demon is completely all powerful and could just take care of anything for you. Well, caco demon is Spanish for demon killer. Right. I made sure. that up. Is it really? I said it with oh, enough confidence. Oh, I, I actually thought it was. Yeah, <laughs> I just not... said it with confidence to, <laughs> to get um, you. But, I mean, Dean Fogg told them it will do your bidding. It will take care of enemies that are after you. I just didn't think a niffin was on the list of those things. She seemed to be way too powerful for that, but I could be wrong. I think it was a mixture of how powerful a caco demon is and also how she wasn't prepared for it. Mm. Maybe if she was prepared to fight it back, she would have been fine, but... And she did look pretty dead. It's a finishing move, for sure. When crawled over to her. Yeah, 
She did. I didn't expect the beast to be killed this episode. So we know, like, the next journey is to get Alice back to life. But then who's going to be the antagonist now? Yeah, well, they kept faking you out because every time we thought they were going to go up against the beast, it didn't work. They had to have that end eventually. And like I said, this was really a holdover battle that they were having from season one, fighting the beast. Right. They've taken a long time to dispose of them. So they had to kind of move on to the next thing. And you're right. We don't know who the villain's going to be. We know that Reynard's still out there, but that seems to be a lot more of Julia's problem than something that's going to threaten right. our crew. Maybe Julia's going to be the bad guy now. Because we know she's powerful. It could be. Reynard, mm. maybe we'll... Uh, something's going to happen. It could be. Well, we also have the problem of the wellspring in Fillory. Oh, I mean, thing. the beast is gone, but still there was only a tiny bit left. What do they do about that? Um, Quentin wants to get... Alice back, which is certainly not going to be an easy no. quest that he puts himself on. And Penny is still dealing with his problems. He's still penniless. And we have that witch out there that we can't forget that took a vial of Q's blood. Yeah. And the river man. All these random... They're not the big bad right. villain, but in the midst of dealing with this other stuff, I'm sure they'll come back around. For sure. To make things difficult. Uh, the last thing we have to say is that Julia did also return to Earth to find Marina dead. And then in the end, Quentin was crawling over to Alice, lying dead. And Margo and Elliot were telling him, you, you got to leave it. You got to stop, basically. Yeah. She's gone. It's done. And, and you're hurt. There's nothing more we can do. A very sad, somber ending. Oh, for sure. I just keep... Harping on the fact that this could have all been done so much more cleanly. <laughs> and there's no excuse for it. How badly they're, designed their ideas were. and They're inexperienced. This is really the first time in their lives that they're using magic to try to fight real enemies. You know, I think they were pretty sheltered in a sense getting their education at break bills, and that's yeah. what the juxtaposition of the Julia story was supposed to show you. Outside of that bubble, people that live in the world of magic, it's very dangerous. If you don't have the protection of someone like Marina, and even Marina was so easily disposed of when you come up against something like a god, mm -hmm. there's real shit out there. And, and they're really kind of having to face that now for the first time. I mean... Shit, they didn't even know battle magic up until the end of last season. So they have to grow up a bit still. Yeah, and all the more reason for Dean Fogg to be there, to help, or any other teachers or professors. You would think so. I, I had made the comment last time, and I still believe it, that it's the kind of thing they're going to have to learn through experience. It's not really something that can be taught to them. In relation to the question that I was saying about, you know, Who's actually dead? Can a Kako demon kill a Niffin? What's stronger? Gamble and McNamara, the creators of this show and producers, were asked the question, can anyone really be dead in a world of magic? So they responded, and I love the typical kind of dance around the answer, but it's a good one. Oh, yes, people can really be dead on the show. Some of them are, and some of them aren't. <laughs> For those that are, later in the season, we will explore pretty fully the architecture of the afterlife. 
Ooh, that sounds so fun. That was a cool promise. What does that like mean? That. <laughs> yeah, and even if they brought her back to life, would she be back to life as a Niffin? Or would she be back to life as you the Alice You would think, we know? right? I mean, how could they change that? Although mm. we don't know the rules on any of this stuff. No, we don't. Wish we had a fillery book. That would have helped us. <laughs> <laughs> we did get another filler request. Quest number three after this was Unlock the Wellspring. It said, his divine eminence, Ember, defecated in the wellspring. Pros, no more worrying about the beast drinking it dry. Cons, the source of all magic has been befouled. Yikes. <laughs> I'd still drink it. If you said that I'd be magical if I drank some of that, I'd still drink uh, it. I would too. I said that the minute just they talked down. about it. <laughs> Take shots of it's it. It's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it says, time to shovel some shit and save the source of all magic. <laughs> Of course, it's another one of those unlocking things. And we know that the next quest, number four, will be Creatures of Fillory. So beautiful, that creature. I can't wait to meet her. Yeah. They've been teasing that for a long time now. I'm wondering if she is a bad magic being. I mean, all the magic beings that we've seen in Fillory so far Mm -hmm. have been kind of evil in their own ways. We know that witch is up to no good. Yeah. We know the guy by the lake, you know, he's... He did bad. I know Penny kind of deserved it, but he learned his lesson. You could have just healed him from there. Yeah. And now we have this one. I hope she's not a a mean bugger. Like we said, the more magic you become, the more it feels like that's attached also to a sense of evil. Not that they're meaning to be evil, but they don't care. They're using their magic for things that are horribly scary. It's like they're working for Voldemort. It's the exact opposite of what you expect to see when you talk about a magical world. Expect it to all be like sunshine and roses. But now, what I'm thinking too is, is that a result of the magic that's currently operating in Fillory? Because when we saw the way things used to be when the Chatwins were there, it did look beautiful and sunshine and roses. There were still some things that you had to be wary of. But now that that wellspring has run dry, is it sort of a manifestation of that? So a darker kind of magic. I wonder. All right, Jason. Well, that's the episode. So let's give our overall thoughts. Go to our rating. On a scale of 1 to 10 crowns, what do you give episode 3? I'm going to go with 8.4. 8.4. Yeah. Bump down from last time. Yeah, 9.2, I believe, was my last one. Yep. It just felt... Like, it was confused. It felt like a series finale. Mm -hmm. It felt like they were trying to close too many chapters too fast. And I guess just my personal thing about how disappointed I am in everyone. Yeah, I could see that. Well, I'm going to give this an 8.9 crowns. So I was lower than you for the first time. Yeah, I went a little lower last episode. I was at an 8.5 when you were a 9.2 and IMDb was a 9.1. We kind of flip-flopped here. Um, You're at an 8.4, IMDb's at an 8.8. I liked it definitely more than last episode, but just a tiny bit less than the season premiere. Season premieres are always great. You're so excited for the show to be back. But I was waiting for the end of this action, like I said, for it to finally happen. Everything we've been kind of looking forward to since season one, the culmination of fighting the beast and moving on to our next magical journey for season two. Mm -hmm. Even though it was sad, we finally got that here in episode three and still with plenty of time to move on to new adventures for the rest of season two. So I'm excited to see where that takes us. 
Let's move on to our most valuable magician. This one, I'm for sure. I know I don't have the same one as you. You ready? Oh, really? Mm -hmm. You sound confident. Let me hear it. No one. (laughs) I am disappointed in them all. That's a way of getting around it. If I had to give it to one person, Uh it'd be Penny. Okay. I thought you might say that. The reason being, because of things I've already stated, he's the one that helped them not kill themselves. Mm -hmm. And he really didn't mess up. I mean, his hands messed up on him. I think he was the only one that was actually helping the crew. He saved Quentin's life, I guess you could say twice. Yeah, a bunch. And I did have him as a thought for this. It's funny, though, because the things that he wound up utilizing were not magic. He did come to the rescue, and he helped save everybody, but in his own way. But I think I'm going to have to, this episode, and especially if it is the last time we see her, give it to Alice, because it seems she did make that decision willingly. Yeah. She knew it was going to be the end of her life. I wonder even how long she's known it, because that strange conversation she had with Quentin the last time, where he was saying, I wish there was something I could do to help carry the weight, she kind of had this look like, I, it has to be me. I know it has to be me, and I know that's going to be a burden. Finally unlocking her magic, despite how bad that scared her, and then here, choosing to do the spell, even though the god power was gone, I, I think she did know what she was walking into, and she chose to do it to save the group, and that's an incredible sacrifice to make. I agree. All hail Alice. <laughs> Last episode, we asked the Clatchers, If they could have one power in the real world, what would it be? Yeah, so if you could use magic for sort of an ordinary or everyday type of task. Jason had said travel, and I had said cooking. So we got some really great responses on this. Yes, we did. Melly said to travel as well on Twitter. But then she said, although, like Anastasia, it would be nice not to have to do any cleaning or hire a cleaning lady in my case. Gosh, I hate cleaning. (laughs) And then I think she got, she started, she's one of those that would have an issue. What magic would it be? Because then she gave us. The ability to have the right words, answers, or questions every time. Whether you want to comfort someone, get a promotion, find out the truth. To appeal to someone on a psychological level to get the result you want or avoid conflict. She said that would be great with my (laughs) five-year-old. But only people with pure intentions could have this magic. Because we don't want to start a war or have people doing negative things. Maybe this magic could simply be called wisdom. I wonder, would that magic include things that, we, that humans don't know yet? Like, are there aliens? Would she know the answer to that? Or how do you build a flying car or something like that? If that was true, that would definitely be the power I want. I've said oh, in the sure. past the ability to read people's minds or even influence people's minds. But that does get a little scary, like uh, dark magic, Yeah. if you get into that. So I like the kind of disclaimer that somehow maybe you would only be able to have it if it could sense that you were pure of heart or or good intentioned or something like that. Oh, man. So I consider myself a good guy. I don't think I'd ever be a bad guy in a movie Mm -hmm. if my life was a movie. But if I had that power, the ability to influence someone and their opinions and their thoughts, Mm -hmm. I know for sure I'd walk into a bank and be like, hey, (laughs) you want to give me... A million dollars right now, don't you? Yes, I yep. do. Yep. I would do it. 
And I, I would say I'm not hurting anyone. <laughs> you I'm, know, not, right? I'm not late to work today. It is not 930. It's 9 o'clock a.m. precisely. <laughs> I'd probably say um, I'm not, I don't need to show up for work or do any work. Ever you will again. replace me, but you will continue <laughs> to pay me. Oh, boy. Yeah, well, we're getting into like bigger powers, too. So we did kind of want to keep it to simple things because there's so much more that you could answer if you said any kind of magic. Yeah. But we were saying more like everyday kind of magic. So along those lines, Emily said travel. She agreed with you. She said, I travel for work a lot. And while I'm a pro, I'm not very patient, which means as much as I know, it's likely the first time flying for someone Get in line with your zone. Don't kick my seat and stop being so wasted on the plane. <laughs> if I could skip that, I'd be a happy girl. She also had a follow-up. It must be really hard to pick one. The ability to retain anything that I've read, which I could see you liking too. I need to. I wish I could retain everything. I'd have to. If we started to talk about Mr. Robot right now off the cuff, I'd be like, hold on, i got to look at my notes because I don't remember everyone's name. I don't remember any like particular mm-hmm. instances, I've always had that issue with memory. So yeah, that would be a great power. I've read many books in the past and I don't remember most of them. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I have a great memory, but I have that problem too because I've read so many things. What were we watching where they were saying there's only so much room in your brain and so if you want to oh. take in new oh things, God. they had to uh, push other things out? It's the new show with Matt LeBlanc. Man with a plan. Man with a plan. That's right. And but his I f- brother, he's like, don't tell me anything. I'm going to lose stuff that's already in my head. <laughs> I feel like that's true, though. Once you get to a certain point and you, you have so much on your mind, eventually you have to start dumping things. Yeah. So stuff that I know that I've read before, people will start talking about it. I'm like, no, it's gone. Yeah. I lost that. Our brain is not a good processor or memory bank. Not at all. Con- considering. But I think eventually we will have chips in our brain that can memorize things. Oh, yeah. That's, I wonder. That's a whole nother story. Another we won't podcast. go down that. Yeah. <laughs> On Twitter, Anastasia, one of our clatchers, said, I'd magic the housework away. It would have to be a toss-up between the dusting and the vacuuming. <laughs> the vacuum hates me. <laughs> she wrote that on Facebook. It wouldn't have to be a toss-up. If you have the power for housework, all It'd of be that all will of it. work. Sure. So we grant you that magic, Anastasia. Yep, there you go. <laughs> I think you're going to like Alan's answer. He wants the beast power to have music in the background so he could have a soundtrack for his life. And that's one I've actually thought about in real life a lot. Yeah. There are certain moments where you just wish, like you could think of the perfect song that oh, could yeah. be playing right now. I used to, I remember specifically my other job, I was with my coworkers and we were joking around. I was like, what if I had... Every time I walked into a room, I had, and I had a particular song in mind, I don't remember now, Mm -hmm. but it was the perfect theme song for when I walk in. I'd be like, I'd always look badass when I walked in and be like, (laughs) do, 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 every time you walk, that'd be perfect. But also, if I think about it, when I played baseball in high school or basketball, if I had my own theme music, every time I hit a home run or something, that music would play. Yeah, or anytime you had a dramatic moment in your life just to intensify things. Yeah. Uh, I wrote back and told him it made me think of the Sherlock episode where Moriarty gets off the helicopter to I want to break free. And it's that moment before you realize it's on his headphones that it seems like he has real life theme music. Yeah. It was perfect. That was perfect. 
But then again, if everyone had theme music, would everyone's music just be playing over each other? Well, maybe you could only hear your own. No, because then it loses it. That ruins it. Because then you look like an asshole. (laughs) You got to take turns having moments. (laughs) I guess so, yeah. And one of our longest listening clatchers, Oren, said via our Patreon page, I would love to be able to give up sleep. Like Einstein. I think Einstein only slept like three hours a day. That is a good one that I never thought of. Imagine how many things you could do if the rest of the world still has to sleep seven hours and you don't. I could edit this podcast tonight and get it right out. Yeah. Oh, man. I could watch so many TV shows. (laughs) We sleep too much. Our battery sucks. Yep. We'd return our battery. It's like a Mac. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Our MacBooks... They need to be plugged in most of the time. So, yeah, I think that's a perfect one, too. That's a great one. And you just led right into the next one from Armando, who says time travel, which I was about to flag him on a, like, that's too big of a magic thing. But then he says, so I have enough time to watch all the shows and read all the books I want, which is perfect. Perfect. (laughs) And I agree. We're so far behind on a lot of TV shows that are on our DVR. I can't wait to watch them. Imagine if you could just, like rewind for two days so that mm-hmm. you could sit there and binge shows for two days straight. You know, that that reminds me, growing up, I always had this thought, and I still randomly have this thought, especially like when I have to go to sleep and I don't want to, but I have work the next day. Mm-hmm. I always say, I think I say it to you, I wish I had the power to pause time yeah, and then just do whatever I wanted. Watch TV shows, play some video games, and then go, all right, I'm going to go to sleep now. Unpause. Well, there you go. Forget about time travel. Just pausing. Yeah. Freezing. Because then the sleep thing, would you would almost have that power, you know, because you could do whatever you want and then go to sleep. You would have extra hours in the day if something really intense, you know, when something happens in your life and you're like, I wish I just had a minute to think mm-hmm. and then I could respond better to this situation. God, there's so often that that would come in handy. Now, would you age? Because we would have no. aged. Okay, good. It would have to come with no age. Thank God. And then I was thinking, how old would I be right now? Because we'd probably have, would have paused enough time where it's at least five years younger now, of right? Of course. So that's cool too, though. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I want all of these powers. Thank you, Clatchers, for, for responding to us. We really This is fun for us. So whenever you have anything to say... Let us know via our website. We have a contact page there. Or just email contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com. Twitter at CKC Podcast or Facebook. We love this. We, we, take, we write everything you guys say down and we love to talk about it the next episode. So keep them yeah, coming. We're going to have to think of a, a new good one for next time. But for now, if you haven't answered this same one, we can keep it running. I want to give some major shout outs to our Clatchers helping us out on our Magicians channel. We have Homeland Fan. Reviewing your app, Gross 1000, Cassie Neal, and Tara Sheik for giving us lovely reviews on our Magician Podcast channel. We really appreciate it. Keep them coming, please, if you're digging this. You know what? If you're digging this and you're listening to it on our main channel, if you could be the shit and still go to our <laughs> Magician's channel and just leave us a quick review, it's only going to help us. We do appreciate it. Yeah, and it'll help counter some of the occasional bad ones we get. Yes, it will indeed. We found out we had gotten a bad one recently on Sherlock, 
Um, but we can't see it because it wasn't in our region. So that kind of helps a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and I definitely want to talk about that. We'll talk about that in our bonus for sure. Absolutely. But a uh, big thank you to Melissa who brought that to our attention and countered it by saying she disagreed. And the reasons that this person did not like the podcast are some of the things that make her enjoy it. She likes how the two of us are calm and grounded while still being fun. So thank you, Melissa. That feels good. I appreciate it. I want to give a shout out to Rami Rules for giving us a review on our Mr. Robot podcast channel. Thanks for making your first review ever on our channel. Oh, it means so much. Amazing. Thank you. And for Health CLK for giving us a review on our main channel. Keep those coming. Thank you so Always much. Always good. Well, that wraps it up for episode three, Divine Elimination. If you are afraid of spoilers, we will see you next time. For everybody else that's still here, we have a brief preview for the next episode. Episode 4, The Flying Forest. Quentin and Penny embark on a quest to find the White Lady. Q thinks she can grant his wish to bring Alice back. Margot works on a way to help Elliot, and Julia seeks an old friend's help. An old friend's help. Who's an old friend that she hasn't contacted already? Because we know Marina's gone. She's not going back to break bills. Oh my goodness. Katie. We were just saying, where did yep. she go? I actually just put it together this moment. It's got to be Katie. And now we're going to get some epic story on where she's been this whole time. Yeah. Oh, but does that mean she's going to enlist her to help with Reynard again? Like, how many people oh, is she going to put in harm's way? I'm sure Katie would want to help, though, because she saw the Maybe that's how Penny comes back in. He's still here on Earth. We were saying what happened between him and Katie. The, oh, there we go. This could all circle nice. back around. Beautiful. Again, people, this is not stuff from the book. I am only conjecturing where we have strayed because, like I said, Penny's story was so vastly different. We didn't yeah. get any of this in the book. So I think that makes me most excited because there's still a lot of mystery about where it could go. Absolutely. That's it for this week. If you have any questions or ideas about the magicians, let us know. Give us an, a ring. <laughs> yeah, contact us any way you want. Email, Facebook, Twitter. We look forward to reviewing episode four next week, The Flying Forest. And until next week, this round's on me. This round is on me. I pooped in it. I'm, am I not making this very clear? I pooped in it. Try again.